Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'm the A, his name is Q, breaking down every single sport for you. On Thursday nights from 8 to 10, we are the true voice of the fans, so you know we always win. From hoops to football, the video games, baseball, hockey, the NCAA. We give our side, cause that's all we know. This is a labor of love, that's why we do this show. From the murder mitten to the sunshine state, we can talk all day about Who's great? Give us a call anytime. 760-539-3269. You know if we could, we would do this every day. Welcome to this episode of Sports Q&A. Sports Q&A. Sports Q&A. Sports Q&A, we are the true voice of the fans. Sports Q&A. Sports Q&A. Sports Q&A, we are the true voice of the fans. What's good, sports fans? Welcome to another edition of Sports Q&A. I'm Q. And I'm A. And yes, I know, I know, before you even get started, folks, it is not Tuesday, as we made our big announcement last week. So we had a little technical difficulties and some situations that came apart, but we're still coming back. I'm sure we can see you once a week. Uh, but it is Thursday, March. That's right, March Madness. March the 2nd, 2017. It's good to be here. Let's check out how you can connect with us throughout social media. Follow us on Twitter at Sports underscore QA, also sports underscore QA underscore preps. Follow us on Instagram at sports underscore QA. Follow us on the book, our Facebook page or account or whatever it is, is low, L-O-W-E, the letter N and Washington. Facebook fan page, sports Q&A, and the Facebook group, sports Q&A. Make sure you check out our website, www.sportsqanda.com. That is sportsqanda.com. And last but not least, give us a call this evening at 760-539-3269. 760-539-3269. What's good, Q? You ha- are you excited this May? Yeah, everything is everything. So just looking forward to March Madness. Finally having some things to get ready to talk back about with sports. 
um, basketball, college basketball, the NBA is kicking off, getting towards its last half of the season, and definitely the NFL Combine, followed by the NFL Draft next month, finally have some things to talk about. Yeah, uh, definitely is a, a heightened time. Just came off the NBA deadline, and you got, as all things you said, basketball is about to turn into high gear, especially with turning the time. Um, for some folks, because some folks are a little more excited than others. Some folks a little more optimistic than others, and some folks are just jaded. And folks, with that little spiel. I'm going to go to counterpoint this week. Well, as we know, and we alluded to it, that it is March. And in the state of Michigan, March is known as Izzo Month. It's also known for March Madness. Of course, we know the tournament the championship is the championship game is played in April. But it's tournament time. And we've seen some tournament-like uh, ending to some games, and we saw one yesterday um, for a team that's beloved by the host. Uh, it didn't have to happen that way, but it did. Michigan lost on the buzzer beater layup. I don't, would you call it a buzzer beater? I don't know. I yeah. guess you would. Um, but it brought on a discussion through the disgust that I had in that whole situation. Um, and it's a personal situation, and I may just be venting for the the angry fans, uh, the diehards, even though I think the diehards would be a little more optimistic than my approach. But when it comes to your team, and we're talking NCAA, because I don't want this confusion. I don't want everyone, anyone to say I have the – the, the the point of view that in professional sports you should tank. I am not a tanking type of thought process. But in NCAA, my premise is that, my stance is that I would prefer my inconsistent team to stay at home and not make the tournament rather than go to the tournament and embarrass themselves. I'll give a couple of reasons why. When you have an inconsistent team and they've been inconsistent, they'll have the tendency and probably will have an upset and then lose a game that they should win. Which, of course, that's the beauty, as my partner will probably say in his spiel, uh, that's the beauty of the tournament. Well, I love the tournament for what it is. I probably get more excited about the tournament ups and downs especially when it doesn't involve my team. But I really like the tournament because it gives everybody a legitimate, well, for the most part, a legitimate shot. But I'm of a point now, in my lifetime, I've seen my team play in three national championship games. I've seen them win one national championship in 89. We're talking about basketball. Um, but just getting in is no longer enough. I'm going to say this, and you can get mad. My cousin, who's an alumnus of this team, it's nothing personal. It's just the truth. 
We are not the Northwestern Wildcats. We are not vying for our very first NCAA tournament berth. So, therefore, just getting in is not enough. Just getting in, not being enough, then we need to be on the upper echelon, the top half of the seating, which means we need to be an eight or higher. Giving... Given the losses that they had recently to Minnesota, which right now is favored to be a five seed, depending on who you ask, and to Northwestern, who's teetering right around the same as Michigan, around eight or nine, I mean, nine or ten, or eight, between eight and ten, I want to look at a historical aspect of Final Four teams, because that is Final Four or break, even though, or bust, even if I don't think my team is is Final Four team, if they can get in as, as an eight seed or higher, they got a legit, a, a, legit, a legit shot at Final Four, in my thought process, if they play together, if they play the top. Um, but historically, there have only been three double-digit seeds to make it to the Final Four. There have been, oh, about seven, eight or nine seeds to make it. Other than that, it's a wrap. And seedings start taking place in 79 for all the people that I want. And in that first year, Penn made it as a number nine seed. But with that being that, and with me having a newfound joy for the quest for championship or bust or true championship contender or bust with my said team. I'd rather they sit their behinds home than make the tournament and embarrass and make embarrassing. And here's the other thing. I'm going to let you go ahead and give his counterpoint because I know I've gone past my time. But I don't want them to turn me into a true fan. The ups and downs. I always have increased blood pressure and and my pulse is up and my heart rate is up and all that when I have to become a true fan because nobody wants to step up on a consistent basis. So with that, that's my point. I'll give Q opportunity to step on the stage. I'm stepping back, having a seat. Go ahead with your counterpoint, sir. All right. I'm going to leave that this whole little – I'm going to pass you some tissue through the phone. Maybe even the pad, because you are a little emotional. This what? is very emotional. You are coming off uh, a heartbreaking loss, a last-second loss to a team in Northwestern that's playing very well. The whole argument is baseless. It's it's it reeks of that fan that is more scared about their team competing than anything else. And, yes, I'll admit, Michigan has been inconsistent. But every other team in the Big Ten that is tournament-worthy, and just about every other team in the nation is inconsistent. Look at it. Outside of Gonzaga, who recently just lost their first game to BYU, every team has lost a game that they shouldn't have lost, has had moments where they looked flat, they looked lethargic, they looked out of it. Um, I mean, case in point, you look at the team in the state, the team that has a better, more recent 
basketball history, Michigan State. They lost last night to an Illinois team that is decent, and they crept back up into the conversation for the NCAA tournament, but they shouldn't have lost that game in a row. And here we are talking about Michigan sitting at home. Trust me, if Michigan sits at home, there's going to be maybe 15 to 20 other teams that are in NCAA consideration that will be sitting at home bypassing their, their birth before Michigan. Case in point, Clemson. Up until recently, they had Clemson. Uh, Joe Lenardi had Clemson making an uh, NCAA tournament with a 3-7 and seven conference record. So I don't I understand you want to you're trying to be objective, but your fandom is kicking in way too much in this situation. Um, Michigan, get back to Michigan. This isn't where they've had a bunch of bad losses and they decided, okay, we we have one or two good wins and we're gonna sneak in. No. Their bad losses, the one bad loss that they can say that they've had all season was to an Iowa team and Peter Jock that was on fire. Every other game that they've lost, every other game that they've lost, they can understand why they lost them. Maybe that Ohio State game. That's the one game hey, I will point to. That game was a horrible loss. I concur with okay. that. that okay. It's not a horrible loss. It was just a bad loss. Because of lost how, team. How, no, how we looked at it as a fan. Now, I'm talking about strictly as Looking at this, uh, the matchups, the RPI and all that, that's not considered a bad loss. Now, when you see what happened in the course of the game, yes. But if that's the case, okay, Michigan State had a bad loss against Michigan. How does that team with that talent, with Miles Bridges, um, Tom Tom Nairn, Langford, uh, Cassius Winston, Nick Ward, all lose by 30 points to Michigan? How does Purdue – Get down, Purdue, a Purdue team that won the Big Ten, get down 27 points to Michigan. So that's what I'm saying. I understand your frustration. I understand the fact that you, you're at a point. This isn't college football. Now, if this was college football and Michigan was a 6-6 team, I can understand you saying stay at home because the bowl games are irrelevant at that point. But you get into the NCAA tournament, especially more recently, um, when there's no dominating team, anything can happen. You pointed out, oh, no HC, no double digity. But because of the parity in college basketball, the lack of a – definitely this year, a lack of no dominant team, no team in the tournament scares me. Not Kansas, not North Carolina, not Duke, not Kentucky, not Purdue. None of these teams scare me. So if you put your team in that tournament – and get a, a favorable matchup where you have a, a team that doesn't have point guard play, that doesn't defend the three well, Michigan can win two or three games. For me, even before this season started, my expectations for this team, and this is part of the problem, you have as the, as the season wears on, the expectations for your team either goes up too high or gets down too low. And at the beginning of the season, if you would have told me Michigan will have a chance to go to the tournament and win two games, I'd take it because this isn't football. We've had this conversation, and I'm, I'm going to just end it with this. Michigan, is, Michigan basketball is what Michigan State football was 
five, six, seven years ago. People have gotten spoiled by that Final Four appearance, by that 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 great edit appearance, and the success of the program. But this is truly who they are: a team that will get you nineteen to twenty-two wins a season, be the team that be the couple of teams that's not supposed to lose to one or two teams they're not supposed to, and tournament run. Last year was, I think abnormal because of, the, of what they've been used to because of what happened with Karis LeVert. They had no leadership, and they still shouldn't beat Notre Dame last year. So I'm not going to be too down on this team just yet because if you're going to be down on them, you're going to be down on Michigan State. You're going to be down on Maryland. You're going to be down on Wisconsin. You're going to be down on a lot more teams, and that's the beauty of it because we have too many opportunities for this team to get in the tournament and surprise some people. And 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 I I hear exactly what you're saying. Your counterpoint rings loudly in my ears, and I'm not disagreeing with, especially with your last point. All of those teams have been underwhelming. Michigan State the most because they had a lot of promise, but they're a young team. It's a different thing. The thing is, is that you can't you can't play inconsistently inconsistent. And expect to have some level of success. And the thing is, is that, I mean, they've beaten the top two teams, two. I mean, three of the top four teams in the in the tournament. I mean, in the conference, arguably. I mean, in in their topsy turvy. But you beating the teams, you can't just well up and have. You can you can beat one team. You can be a team like uh, who was that? Who who, who upset somebody yesterday? Uh, was it Wake? Uh, yep. Yeah, you could be like a Wake Forest, and that be you can have one win like that. And the teams that are equal or less than you, you pretty much win that. But the ones that are better, you just lose across the board. But you can't have that type of thing and and expect. Now it is a level of fandom in there, but the thing is, is that it, it's a it's a level of of earning your spot. It's almost like backing in. Was it last year that they backed into the tournament or the year before? Last when, year when, they backed. Right, that's but, backing into the tournament. This so they played in the playing game, right? Yes, yeah, that's backing into the tournament. This year isn't. Well, no, you can't say this year isn't yet because then their season's not over. They could legit, they just no. legitimately lose the rest of the games, including the first game of the tournament. And they'll still be in. Exactly, but do I mean? Do is it the fact that that's the thing is that. I'm 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 not torn. I'm I'm pretty solid on the fact that I would rather my team. You can't control it, but my team be a legitimate. The the bubbleness of of the team, it, it, it a bubble is uh, is uh, in this in this chemical background and this durability is it, just that it's inconsistent. It's soft, and that's that's what best describes them in that in that frame. So. <laughs> Me not wanting to, because I can't. It's not like if they go to the tournament, I'm gonna wish them lose. But if they like go it. to the, no, if they go to the tournament, then then the likelihood of them losing due to the, the inconsistency of their play is, <laughs> is going to be higher. So I mean, but it's also, a level. One thing you're it's not percentage of a level of frustration. A percentage. One thing you are considering is the style of play in the Big Ten tends to be a lot more trans, 
translates a lot better out of conference and definitely in the tournament. Case in point, there's not a Big Ten fan that I haven't seen complain about officiating this year, how bad it's been, how inconsistent it's been. So I guarantee some of these non-calls that they're not getting during the season, during the regular season, during key moments, once that tournament kicks in, the big dance starts. Those teams are going to get those calls, and those are going to be – they have the formula. They, ha- I think Michigan is built better for the tournament than they are the big team because you have, as we've always said, tournament is led by point guards, hot shooting, and, big, and uh, a piece of a big man, and that's what they have. You have Mortz, uh, Wagner, you have um, Derek Walton, who I think has played a lot better this last quarter of the season. And all you need is for Muhammad Ali Abdul Rockman or Duncan Robinson to have a 10 to 15 point game, a couple of key threes. As you see, I did not mention our favorite Wolverine, Sarcasm. <laughs> Heavy sarcasm. But you can't but avoid they have... <laughs> That's the whole thing. That this, this, this you you this is bringing my point to a to a to a a head with this is that you can't remove people from the equation. He's a big part of the equation because if he doesn't fit in the Florida offense, which he usually doesn't, even though yesterday he was, and he decided to pull the three, even though he was getting baskets and buckets driving. Let me digress then that's going to be an issue. I mean, my dad, who never talks about Michigan like that, and he always sees it, he was like, this dude needs to sit down. And once again, it is a level of fandom. I will not deny that. But the thing is, it's based on facts. The eye test, I've seen Michigan play more than anybody else, but I've seen a lot of other teams play all over the country. And some teams are are inconsistent. Louisville is an inconsistent team. Kentucky is an inconsistent team. Duke is an inconsistent team. All of these teams are inconsistent teams, but the one thing that they have that we don't is at least two players that you can trust. And and we have one and about one in one eight. And that eight can be one of any eight players. That's the fandom. We're going to have to move from this because I think we we can talk about this. No, it's not. No, that's I'm, I'm, that's the fandom. My thing and is, you know on a night-in, night-out night night basis, who is the other player that you can trust other than uh, Derek Walton? Mo. Mo. What happened to Mo yesterday? I said he still that you ended can... up with 10 points. He still ended up with 8 to 10 points. That's what I'm saying. You're looking at it from what What did you expect him to get? He he took a couple of charges, had some rebounds, and ended up with 10 points. That's enough. You look at if It's not enough because he lost. lost. No. You lost yeah. because now, you Listen, if, if you're going to make a – hold on, Quinn. Now, if you had your your, 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 your you design it, a Michigan win, how you want, would, would, would Mo Wagner have 10 points? No. What, that's what I'm saying. My thing is, yes, as of lately, and here's this, Derek Wharton, too. It's been over a nice maybe 12 to 15 games spin for him, and Wagner maybe about 
the same thing, give or take a couple of games, because both of them had a horrible first half. Oh, your boy took over the second half. Uh, Walton, what I'm saying is, is the consistency, because if you don't have the people who come consistently and bring it, bring what they normally bring, then somebody else stepping up is not going to make the difference unless they step up out of their mind, which I haven't seen too many people doing. Once again, I, it, it, the level of fandom in this is is there, but what I'm saying is, is there's truth to the inconsistency. Now, there may be other teams that are inconsistent, but the thing is is that, I mean, in all honesty, who would you trust more in the tournament, Michigan or Michigan State? Hmm. Um, Michigan State because they have the inside. Well, they have better inside game, but I don't trust yeah. their point guard. Right? I, but I, that's I, I the don't problem. trust you, but they have more players that you do trust. You tr- you trust the combo? Well, they know they have two players. They have two right. players. That, I said a combo, a combo of players. You they have a combo of players that you trust. That's what the team needs. On, on on their best games when when Walton and, and Wagner are, are there, yes. But on an everyday basis, I I can't say that. I would want to say that. I would love for it to happen. But you need, like I said, you need at least two, and you need a combination of five people to make up. But the same thing can be said about State. You look at what they did last night against Illinois. Both their big dogs had good games, and they still lost. Oh, I didn't know they lost. I fell asleep. Yeah, they lost. They lost Illinois. That's what I'm saying. You you have, you look at, I'm going to pull up their box score right now. Ward had 11. Bridges had 21. Alvin Ellis had 15. And they still lost. So that's all I'm saying. You have your two two guys contribute for them, and they still come up short because, they got zero from that point guard play. They got in 40 minutes between Tom Tom there and Cassius Winston, they shot a combined one of eight for four points and five assists. That team will go as far as their point guard play, and that's how the NCAA tournament is set up. And you comparing those two, that's a wash. I'll take Michigan. Well, I mean, it, it it all depends on. I mean, we know this. It depends on matchups, and uh, I personally, I'll take the big big guy matchup because you'll have the advantage over eighty to ninety percent of the teams. If I, if you had that matchup of of Ward and Bridges in the country, but once again, I'm, I'm not downgrading that players don't. Right. I mean, I'm not downgrading the, the point guard play being important. Because uh, we wouldn't be Michigan wouldn't be where they are without Derek Walton, so I understand that 100. percent And and the 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 uprise in the Simpson. Um, but what I'm saying, I'm just saying is the consistency. And the thing is, is I've seen them and I've compared them. And I mean, I watch a lot of teams, dude. I, and that's why I said that's why I say Ohio State is a bad loss because I you know what household I live in, so I haven't seen more than my fair share of Ohio State games this year. And Ohio State to me is kind of like a Michigan team, a Michigan State team, where they're a young team, but they don't have that true leader. So somebody will step up here, and then the next time somebody step up, but it's never that consistency. Yes, I know it's college. Oh, we got somebody online. See who want to talk. Y'all can get me off. I'm I'm gonna be quiet. I'm gonna be quiet. All right, let's see. 
They probably calling to shut me up. Hey, caller, you're on there. Are you just listening, caller? Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they hung up. They dropped. Maybe they were just listening. Now, see, okay, you're talking about bad losses. You look at State. They had a bevy of bad losses. They lost to Northeastern. They lost to Penn State. They lost to uh, in Illinois. So, right. I don't think Ohio think, State a bad loss. They lost to Ohio State. It is a tournament team. Huh? I think the re- the only reason State is even considered a tournament team because they're coach. And because the the tournament, the power to be in the tournament field, is, the, the world needs to see Bridges because he's a one and done. I think that's the only reason they're being considered. Because they haven't proven themselves to be a tournament team. This is the year that everything is backfired and Izzo's face from the the, the harsh schedule to injuries to lack of development to a one-and-dunner, not necessarily being a dominant one-and-dunner, but not, you know, kind of like we talked about, we've talked about in the past about Anthony Davis, how, I wasn't convinced he could be dominant on the NBA, but it partially it was the system that held him in check and say we just need you to be a defensive stopper. So, yeah, our point counterpoint has gone a long way. I'll call it. I don't know what I don't know what to do. We need to really need to get a call screener. Anybody looking for a uh, internship as a call screener for Sports Q and A? Just give us an email at sports underscore QA at yahoo dot com. Um, but yeah. I'm going to see if the caller wants to get in. Uh, wait a minute. What time is it? Let's go to a break because we're one minute before, and then we'll come back and see if the, our caller wants to listen. We'll be right back. This half-hour sports Q&A has been brought to you by Crush Media Group, Progressive Greek, Next Step Mentoring, Ticket Wave, and Fan Siding. Welcome back to Sports Q&A. It is 8.30 p.m. on Thursday, March the 2nd. I guess I was being a little Carl Thomas with my fandom. But I had, it, it was yeah. rooted. Not, first of all, it was not rooted in opinion. It was rooted in fact. So I, can, I was using facts to support it. But let's see if our caller can share some insight on this. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> Pretty good. I'm all right. I need a, a glass of water. <laughs> y'all was y'all was going at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but uh, you know, I I don't follow college basketball like I used to. But that being said, it don't take long to figure out. You know the players and and which team, you know, has what it takes to um and given given the two, you know, we was always taught you always go with the team, you know, that has has like Q stated earlier earlier, maybe one or two two players. But you go with even then you go with the ones that has that 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 potential 
that has that ability to play on the next level. And to me, Michigan State has that in, in Bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, Derry Walton, mm, yes, but given the two, Bridges supersede. Bridges is the one everybody wants to see. Bridges is the reason why our state is where they are. And 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 if you want to you want to you want to counteract why Michigan may not go as far as they need to go this year, all you need to do is look at rebounding. They're getting killed on the boards. You know, mm-hmm. Warden, Warden, and 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 and, and uh, Wagner, they are all right. You know, scoring points, but they getting blasted on the boards. They they do not have they do not have one player. In the in what in the top twenty in rebounding in the Big Ten, you and you're not gonna you're not gonna last like that because as you proceed through your Big Ten tournament, as you proceed through the the national tournament, you got to be able to rebound the basketball. You got to be big up front, and I don't mean big size wise. You got to play big, and you got to play big from you from a team aspect. Your forwards, your centers got to rebounds. And as you progress, even your guards are going to have to rebound. And Michigan just, from what I've seen, they just don't have that ability to crash the boards. And that's going to be their Achilles heel moving forward. Given the two, I think Michigan State is more suitable for tournament play than Michigan. Yeah. And I hear you, Paula. Mm -hmm. We've been here before. Um, with Michigan State teams, and I just I think their team operates a lot better when they have a guard, a point guard that they can trust. And suitable enough putting Cassius Winston in a high-intensity environment like the tournament. We'll see how he does in the Big Ten tournament. And if he, he plays well then, I mean, I, I'll relent some, but – Go back to last year when they lost to Middle Tennessee State in the first round. What was the issue? Point guard play. And, and, and I hear you about Bridges. And, and, yes, he is a difference maker, but I, I also think if they get the, the right or wrong matchup, depending on what it is, if they face a team like a Syracuse or a team that can do that Syracuse zone, will they have enough shooters, especially with the, the Aaron Harris being out for the season with the knee injury, do they have enough guys that they can count on from the outside to create enough space? Whereas I think Michigan with Wagner playing, if, if Wagner between now and that tournament takes it up even a half a, a notch when it comes to his aggressiveness, because he's starting to show the aggressiveness of being that, that lead guy, he's, he's just still trying to figure out. And we all know the problem is with Michigan is, is – uh, Zach Irvin, when he's in the game. Yeah, Zach Irvin hasn't shown up. He takes the money flow. He hasn't shown up since his sophomore year. So, so well, that being said, yeah, Michigan State, I'm not a Cassius Winston, you know, uh, Devil Tay. I mean, he's, he's good, but he hasn't shown me anything that I expected of him. I mean, he shows flash. But that being said, we're not talking about for me, anyway, I'm not talking about scoring. That's going to be the difference. I'm talking about crashing the boards. And if you're talking about playing defense and crashing the boards, Michigan has a liability when you look at that. And if you got a liability hitting the boards, 
you're going to see the door earlier than most. But they've always rebounded poorly on the B-line, even when they went to the Final Four. Well, this is the worst I've ever seen them rebound the ball. <laughs> this now, is the I worst. This is Ohio State game was pretty bad. That's the game that I think trying to put everybody in a bad feeling for Michigan because they could not keep the Buckeyes off with the offensive uh, board. But I think they've done better. Um, I'm going to pull up these stats from Purdue. Now, Purdue had a, a set of twin towers with Swanigan, and I can't think of the other big man name. But uh, I figured, Hoss, I just knew they were going to lose that game and lose that game big. So for them to win and win the way they did or play the way they did in that first half was surprising. So maybe this. I mean, they can find ways. They may not have to win the rebounding um, ratio, but if they don't lose it by more than 10, I think they're in a good position. You know you know who Michigan's best re- defensive rebounder is? They're who the best – Derek Warden. <laughs> Come on. Derek Warden is their best defensive rebound. He's six yeah. foot. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 you cannot, you cannot. Now, he's supposed to be up there right behind, you know, whoever's supposed to be leading them in rebounding. He cannot be your number one rebounder. Defensively, and they don't even have an offensive rebound in the top 15, top 10. They don't have an offensive rebound in the top 10. So they ain't getting no second chance. You know, but you don't expect that with that type of offense they they play. But you still have to be able to defensively rebound the basketball because if you don't, then what are you doing? You're giving up a bunch of second, second chance shots and opportunities to the other team. And, and in a tournament, in Big Ten tournament, in the national tournament, possessions are critical. Every possession is critical. And if you're giving up four or five possessions a game because you can't rebound the ball, that's eight or ten points. And the margin of most games in the tournaments are, are, are within that ten points. That's true. And that's why so, I prefer to see them sit at home then get embarrassed. <laughs> They're not going to get embarrassed. Even if they lose, I don't think Michigan getting embarrassed. And embarrassed is more than 15-point loss. That's not right. happening. Okay. All you need is an off three-point shooting game combined with continue not to get rebounds, and what do you have? A blowout. Oh, you can't get blowed out that way quick. And you that's know, how they get blown out. That's what happens. So. And the thing is, if, you, if you're not hitting the threes like that offense is designed to do, and, and the defensive rebounds is one thing. If you're not getting offensive rebounds, if you're not getting the extra shots at it, then, yeah, it could can, it can turn quickly. Because if you give up a rebound, if you give up a defensive rebound three-point shot nine times out, seven, not nine, 50% of the time it's going to be a long rebound. And if it's a long rebound, that means somebody's gonna grab it. And if it's a if it's a if it's a defensive rebound for the other team, they run it. Right. They run it. They gonna try to run it, like they have been doing all season against Michigan. And, and trust me, state ain't that much. Better. I think they both gonna get popped early, boom, and out of here. 
you know, I think they both got the capabilities of getting popped early, and both of them got the capabilities to, you know, get hot, get in the groove, and make a little run. But I don't think neither one of them are going far. Yeah. Neither one of them are going far. How many games is left? Anything else you want to talk about, Carla, before we let you go? Oh, y'all put me off the phone? You hanging up on me? We know how to get. Y'all put me on? No, you get in, get your point, and get off. So I know what you're about. So that's why I said that. Well, give me another topic, and I'll give you some more information. But I thought we were talking about Big Ten. I'm trying to stay with the topic, with the subject matter. And the subject matter, what I picked up on was Michigan State and Michigan and their ability to, uh, to, to do damage in the tournament. And so that's what I'm talking about tonight. You know, but if we got well the other topics, I ain't checked the the screen. If we got <laughs> more topics to talk about, I know y'all want me to talk about the Lions or the Tigers or those Pistons. I talk about it. I talk about it all. We can talk about Southeastern I mean, if we want to. We are on the eve of the start of the drills for the combine. Two part question. Do you watch them and what is the most important part of the combine if you do? Well, I, honestly, I have a hard time watching the NFL game. I'd be damned if I'm going to watch them run up and down the field in shorts. I, I mean, I could just read about it, read the results on the Internet. I very I very rarely read look, look at the combines because really it doesn't it just show me numbers. You know, the best part of the combine is who was Rich Eisen trying to run, break a 40-yard number in a suit and in some hard shoes. And I, you know, I catch that on YouTube. <laughs> but I would. I, I, I am interested in seeing the numbers on several players, one being Dante Foreman, another one being on, if, if he's there, Zach Cunningham, if he's there. I would also like to see numbers on uh, Quincy Wilson. No, okay. uh, if he's there. Um, and uh, they already showed Kareem uh, 30-something reps at, 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 at 200, 250, what is it, 250 pounds bench press. He's far and away. Yeah, 225. He's far and away exceeded all the running backs so far. But, you know, that's just one aspect of it. He's a strong man. But you know, it's just another measurable you can take to make a decision. You know, I just go by the eye test. You can the combines are good, but the bottom line is you can have a physical specimen who can run, jump, and and fly real good, but it, but is he a football player? Right. You want football players? I don't care. I watched this game. I watched this high school game. What was it U uh, of D, Jesuit, and some other team? So, you know, the warm-up come out. I think I mentioned this before. The warm-up starts, and you look like the guys that look cut and strapped and nobody fattening. And you look at, looking at Pillsbury Doughboy, you know, all pudgy and thick and, you know, look like his ankle is the same size as his knees. And you're like, what is he doing? Guess who was busting their ass? <laughs> 
guess who was going to work? Guess who was getting his in? The Pillsbury, the Pillsbury Doughboy. He was going to work on them next. I mean, excuse me. He was going to work on them. He was tearing them up. He was he was getting his money in. So all that physicality, all that scrapping muscularity, you know, all them numbers and running fast and jumping high, you, you need football players. And that's what I want the Lions to get is football players. Now, I, I will say about Foreman, he checked in. I think they were looking at him before the – before this week at 240, he's down to 230. So there are a lot of people are excited to see what he runs in the 40. And unfortunately for Lions fans, if he does run a good time, that might push him into the second round, if not back into the first round. He so lost weight? Yeah. Oh, no. No. He still he's still down to 230. Yeah. That's not what I wanted. I need mean, we need – we need a 240, 245, 250 back. That's you why don't need to be 230. Yeah, he's not going to be a strong linebacker. No way. What? I say he, he's going to be too small. He's going to have to be a hybrid. No, that's the running back. You don't want him to be too big. No, that's the running back from Texas. Yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, you want him down. Too big. I mean, he could be big there, but the NFL speed is still a little bit different. And now, granted, we do need some power, but if he can still maintain his power and still lose ten pounds and keep his speed, that's that's the perfect storm. You know, I'm I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a, a, a Christian Accoyer. I'm looking for a, a, a Skull Brother. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for one of them type backs, two fifty. That that just strikes fear in linebackers' heart as soon as the the quarterback says cut, you know, like what am I gonna do now? Cause here he coming, I know I ain't gonna be able to stop him. That's what I want. Oh, I'm back in the lead, and that's with Gary Blunt. Right, said, there's only one run in the lead like that, and that's Blunt. He's six feet two fifty. That's what we need. That's what we need. That's what I want. That's exactly what I want. I want 250, 4-5, with agility, with cut, breakaway speed, that can change a game in a heartbeat, that can tear one off 70 yards, boom, just like that, that can run through people, that can just stomp That's people right. in their chest and keep moving. I want you Christian Okoye. At 2.30. Christian Okoye couldn't handle Christian. all that weight. He's got toe ups too quick, even though I loved him. But... That, that kind of NFL. Campbell did. Phil Campbell did. That's a different NFL. Phil Campbell did. But Earl Campbell. Phil Campbell was like. Yeah, he ran him over. He was a. He was. He, he was ran a him over. He ran him over. And so you put him in the backfield, running him over, and put put keep keep two of the three that you got now, scat backs, throw him outside. Now you got a nice compliment. And you put two of them in the backfield in the high formation, you don't know what you're going to do. Are we going to get pounded or are we going to get juked? Coach, can't you take me out, please? <laughs> I can't do this no more. This is this is not fun anymore. That's I mean, what you but want. You still, 
you still got players that run strong behind the pass, and that's all you want. You want a guy because he, he may know how to it, – it, that easily could have been that way also. So now him playing yeah. at 230 or 233 with the, the mindset of, of a 240-pound running back, he should still be fine. It's, the problem is you have backs that are 225, 230 that run like they're 205. That's what you don't want. And I think him losing the weight but still keeping that mindset of and keeping that weight in the thighs and in that in that midsection that's tight, I think he'll be okay. Did you, did, I just, you know, guys, I just watched that Joe Mixon tape on YouTube. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. controversial uh, situation he had, and I was unimpressed with his physicality. He didn't look that big to me. And yeah, this was supposed yeah. to be the guy. He didn't, I'm just saying he didn't look that big to me in that in that video. I don't care about what he did. I don't even, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about I, when I I had never seen him, you know, outside his uniform. I expected him to be like. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, strapping, muscular, you know, thick. Oh, they say he's 230, 225, run like the flash. I thought he was going to be, I thought his little body would be like, you know, big, big trucks. And I saw him in that video. He didn't look impressive to me at all. Yeah, his teammate is actually bigger than him. The Maj P. Ryan. He's 5'10", yeah, he 236. And he put on an impressive show today, too, with the weights. I think he pushed yeah, it up thirty. So, yeah, he 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 put up thirty. And then that's I mean, if you want that's the power guy, that's the, the bowling ball guy right. that if you still want somebody him and, and uh Connor from Pitt. Only thing, even though he's no longer dealing with it, I, I'm still kinda hesitant with his health. But Connor is I think six foot two forty. And he plays it. That's the thing. You want guys that play big. And too many times, like I said before, you had, I mean, go back to the days of uh, who was the running back from? Uh, Ron Dane didn't play as big as he was. Oh, no, Ron Dane. What do you call him? What was his nickname? Ron Dane. Wasn't he from Wisconsin? Great Dane, yeah, Great Dane. That was his nickname, but. He was not. He was not a Nigerian nightmare like Christian Okoye. He was a little dancer. But I think he he yeah. had, like you just said, caller softness about him and his weight. He may have been okay in in, in college because he was just straight man against boys. But when you pulling in that grown man strength, it, it, it did not transfer well. He. Uh... They need to get a running back. They need a linebacker, and they need a uh, uh, they need another linebacker. <laughs> I don't even care about the defensive line. They need two linebackers, a corner, and a running back. Dude, they got to find something. They have two defensive ends on the contract. Well, I think they're gonna sign one of the other two. That's 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 true agent. They're not gonna. I think he's gonna sign one of those, if not both of those. But if, if people, and I was telling my brother-in-law, if you really watch that game against Seattle, the reason why the Lions got beat is because they got nothing from the middle linebacker play. 
Right. To hear Whitehead was just overwhelmed. He was he was misreading plays. He was in the wrong gap. He was he was he was shielded too much. He couldn't shed his blockers. He was always in the wash. He couldn't get clean. He couldn't get no clean looks. He, I mean, the reason why he lost that game and they started running the ball in the second half because Terrell Whitehead fell apart. You can't have that. And I've told you, Quinn, since I <laughs> since I've known you and I've known you all my life. <laughs> they need a linebacker. Yeah. And they have yet a to have a linebacker. Chris Spielman. Chris Spielman was marginal. I'm talking about Lawrence Taylor. I'm talking about Jack Ham. I'm talking about a linebacker that teams have to gain around. They never had one. No, they had one. He got hurt. Who? Reggie Brown. Reggie Brown? Yeah, that was that was unfortunate. That was all so unfortunate. He was the one too. So, Who was yeah, that? I mean, that was that Jeff game. That mm-hmm. Jeff game what, that got them into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one. That that goes back to the whole lion curse or the, the lion's issues. A lineman sitting on his front porch get ran over by a back truck. But we're not going to talk yeah. about the lions anymore. Let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about baseball. It's baseball season and basketball season. Football season is on the back burner. We got we got spring training. I'm trying to get down south so I can see some of my tigers. So here's a question, question regarding the Tigers. Uh, will they regret not uh, selling and being more uh, selling and trading off uh, some of their talent during offseason? Uh, with they pretty much coming back with the same roster minus uh, Cameron maybe, and with the addition of everybody's favorite catcher Al Avila. Oh, and, yeah, so yeah. So let, let, let me counter that with, with, with this question. Uh, how many games did they not make the playoffs by last year? Mm, two or three? One? No, one game. They yeah. Played, the, the, yeah, the last the last game of the season, they lost. Actually, the last series of the season. But it was the last game of the season they lost to Atlanta that kept them out of the playoffs. All right. They, they, missed, they missed Cameron Maven for almost a good portion of the half of the season. Victor didn't play the whole season. They lost Cas. They lost Cas Castellanos, the third baseman, for basically the whole good, good third of the end of the season. They had they had they had they had a pitching combination that was basically, you know, minor like in in Pelfrey and Sanchez, who if they had just went five hundred between the two of them, they would have made the playoffs by three or four games, they would have had a home field position and probably would have been on Cleveland's hill. That being said, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have blew them up either. I would have gave them one more shot. Now, granted, things are going to have to fall in place. 
They're going to have to get rid of Sanchez. They're going to have to get rid of Pelfrey. Formos going to have to come back and have the season he had last year. They're going to Boyd and them young boys, Norris, and them going to have to step up. Cassiano's going to have to have a full season like he did last year. But more importantly, more importantly, Justin Upton has got the hit from day one. Yeah. If Justin Upton hits from day one like he did the second half of the season, they're going to be all right. I went to about 12 games. I saw a couple of monsters he hit. And he didn't start playing to win. Way after the All-Star break. Yep. So, I like their chances. And, of course, Verlander has to be Verlander. But I like their chances. And I would have came back with the same team and gave them one more shot. And they know it. Victor, Miguel, Verlander, they all know this is their last shot together. This is it. If they if they don't make the playoffs, if they have a poor season, they're going to blow this thing up. They're going to have to. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I say if they're five, more than five games out at the at the, at the the trade deadline, they sell it. With J.D. Martinez being number one on the list. Yeah, I thought they would have gotten rid of him during the winter yeah. trade, but uh, – they decided to keep him. He's he's an above average fielder. He's a above average bat. With the problem, what they're gonna have to find is a center fielder that's gonna be able to give them two fifty, ten to twelve, and 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 drive in fifty to sixty runs. But more importantly, play above average to good center field. Right. Because what they have up the middle is tight, except when you get to the outfield. Because McCannon, people don't talk about him, but I go to the games to see McCannon. Because when he threw my man out from his knees, when he threw what's his name out from his knees, I was like, oh, I'm all in, my brother. You man. <laughs> Well, yeah, he, he, what was my man there from Kansas City? The, the speedster, uh, Dyson. Yeah. When they played that, what? When they played that second to the last series against Kansas City, and Kansas City came to Detroit, they were plumping. Yeah, they were. They they got their swagger back, and they had just rolled the Tigers for a couple of games, and they was gonna run on McCannon. They had, they had already decided they were gonna run on him, and Dyson took off, and McCannon didn't even get up. He just stood on his knees and. I'm like, oh, my God, I've never seen that one before in the Detroit uniform. Oh, yeah, you the man. If they can get, if they can get two, 240, 240, 15, and 60 from McKenna, he's going to be an all-star. Yeah. Because defensively, he's, he's in the top three already. Yeah, he just he just needs to step up on that bat. Yeah, he just needs to be more consistent. And you know it's hard bending on your knees, catching on players, killing you when you don't catch it correctly on the glove. You can tip balls off your head. Catching is probably one of the hardest positions in sports to play. Yeah. Name me one that's worse than being a catcher, professional catcher. 
There's none. I play goalie. I know. But see, a goalie don't get peppered in the head like that, Quinn. You getting you getting you getting foul tips in your head all the time. Goalie may get one or two, maybe. He hardly ever get anything in his head. He catching with his gloves, his blockers, kicking them, catching everything low, low to the ice. You know, maybe once or twice he get deflected, might hit him in the head or the chest or the neck. Yeah. Catch it getting pounded. Yeah, and, and, it's, it's not. Definitely not for the faint of heart. No. Nah. I guess I guess y'all ready for me to get off y'all show. This is y'all show now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another caller though. Yeah, we got oh, yeah, we, we got, got another caller. So we appreciate it as always. As always. Be good. All right, you too. Bye bye. All right. So calling this holding on. We're gonna uh, go to uh, oh oh no he's still on. We're gonna go to a quick break because we're at the nine o'clock hour and then we will go right in to you and hear what your thoughts are. We'll be right back. This half hour sports Q and A has been brought to you by Crush Media Group, Progressive Greek, Next Step Mentoring, Ticket Wave, and Fan Siding. Welcome back, welcome back to the second hour of tonight's episode of Sports Q&A. Make sure you give us a call at 760-539-3269. That's 760-539-3269. With that, we have a caller that's been very patient, and we're about to click you over and call her, and you can tell us what's on your mind. Caller, thanks for calling. Hey, everybody, it's Jen. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Quinn with two N's. Hi. Good. Nothing. Could you guys hear me? Because when um, the other caller asked what was a, another difficult position uh, besides catcher, I said goalie. Did Quinn say goalie as well? Because I said goalie. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Could you guys you were, hear me? Yeah, you no, were in the queue. I don't think you were doing yet. Yeah, we didn't pull you in yet. You were in the queue, so you could hear us, but we couldn't hear you. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, That was kind of weird right there, because I thought he could hear me when I said that. That was kind of weird. But, yeah, this is – look, check this. This is what I found out, and I'm trying to figure out why we can't have this set up here with the Detroit Lions. What I found out – and I'm sure you guys already know, but I just found out, so whatever. Um, did you guys know that the Green Bay Packer franchise, the fans, the season ticket holders, hold a stake in the yep. team? Yeah. That yep. absolutely – I just listen, guys, I just found that out this weekend – that absolutely blew my mind to where there are families who are willing their season tickets down the lineage from generation to generation. That absolutely blew my mind. So why don't we have that here with the Lions? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> They made a change in the NFL years back mm-hmm. uh, as far 
as allowing those who could own, not just necessarily fans, but how ownership is set up, and they grandfathered the Packers because they had that rule. So, for one, it's not possible through the NFL. And truthfully, I don't think Lions fans could handle the, what we've been through as fans. It would right. be very frustrating because you will have mutiny, you will have issues, you will have problems with who who has the largest stake, who has the most <laughs> invested to decide, okay, we want this or you should get fired, you should be hired. And, and I think it's, it's, it's too problematic for a fan base as downtrodden as the Lions. Now, the Packers, they had their – when they when this was at, in its heyday, the Packers were successful, mm-hmm. so they kind of ride it out. And they even through the, the down the down years of the seventies and some parts of the eight in seventies eighties into the nineties, they stood true. So I think they okay. understand how important it is. Where most other franchises, especially now, I don't think it would be feasible. It would be too okay. much of a head. I mean, you have fans now that already that want the four team to be sold to the four. So just imagine if you have someone that has a, a higher stake, them trying to strong arm people out of their stake or rob people out of their stake of ownership. That's okay. not what you want. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, but well, I was blown away, and of course, I was envious of the situation because. When I see other successful NFL franchises, you know, I want that for us. <laughs> Whatever it is, whether it's a new pop machine in the stadium, <laughs> I want a new pop machine in our stadium. You know, I don't care what it is. <laughs> so when I found out about that, I was just like, wow, why can't we have that here? But it's, they've, they've eliminated it completely across the NFL. They, the Green Bay just got grandfathered in from something they had already been doing. Right. Okay. 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 Well, yeah, that's all I wanted to talk about, guys. So um, that's it. I, I heard you guys talking about March Madness with U of M and Michigan State. U of M, let me say this. U of M messes up, even though that's my uh, alma mater, U of M messes up my bracket every year. <laughs> Because I always have them going further than they actually um, go. So, yeah. You say what, Quinn? So you're going with your heart instead of with your head a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. I actually, actually, I need to go back to uh, my old protocol of filling up my bracket and just my and go buy uh, the cute uniforms. I think I'll do that this year. <laughs> and and when that, and listen, yeah, when I do that, I always seem to make out way better than when I try to do it by keeping up with stats and all that kind of. stuff. So, so <laughs> I may go back to my old way of doing my bracket this year and see how it, see how it turns out. I'm sure I'll I'll come out better than trying to follow along by doing it by stats. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, this is the year that it's so uncertain that anything can take place. You can have I'm still not sure we'll ever have that 16 upset in that one, but. We're still in the situation now because of the parity, because of no superstar teams, because of no dominant teams. 
this mm-hmm. is, for all the talk that we're making about Michigan going out early, this could be the year they make it to the Final Four. We're like, see. Well, you know, but you know, when it comes when it comes to the tourney, you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Even you know, the teams that have won every game, it's always going to be that one team that can knock them out. You know, that's that's the beauty of the tourney. I love it. I love March Madness. I love that entire time. Yeah, it's a great time. It's a great time in sports. Yep. So that's all I wanted to chat with you guys about. Keep doing a great job, and I'll uh, keep supporting you guys on my end. We appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. All All right. right. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So once again, you know we always are the true voice of the fan. Being able to share the knowledge and share the, the aspects, help people with the brackets. Jen is a diehard. She's been in every uh, of the sports, every one of the sports Q&A bracket busters and is real active and supportive and an advocate and supporting our our, our uh, efforts in sports Q&A. So we definitely appreciate it for sure. All right, Q, where are we going now? we got a lot that we can go. I mean, we haven't had the opportunity to talk about the, the parental involvement of uh, a, a college superstar and two prep superstars. But before I get into that and we talk about the ball so hard or what is it, this brand, uh, the big baller brand, I got to ask you this question because it's kind of tied mm-hmm. into it. How you have two sons, I have a son, how involved will you be in their sports life, in their sports dreams, and their sports passion. Are you going to be that father that says, okay, if you pick up a ball, if you pick up a bat, I'll support you? Or are you going to be the one and let them come to you for the one, for the training, for all the extracurricular stuff? Or are you going to be the one to see the talent and push the talent? Uh, I think I'm a, I'm a 100% proponent of uh, allowing the child to kind of figure out what they want to do. Uh, but I'm also, I mean, because that's what my dad did, but the other thing that he did is whatever we started, we had to finish. So right. I remember remember vividly at the age of six uh, playing YMCA soccer, and uh, it was the field was right down the street from the house, and uh, I had never played soccer. I really wasn't feeling soccer, so I decided to walk my six-year-old self home and after being uh, corrected numerous times, I had to come back and play the rest of the season, apologize to the coaches and all those good things. So whatever it is that you play, you're going to play for a complete season. Uh, right. I'm not necessarily just going to force the travel teams or the AAU. If, my, if I recognize my child is playing it for fun, um, then I'm going to allow them to play for fun. I want them to experience different things. Yeah, I'll encourage different things. Um, I, I probably have to pick up more than just a golf club, Otherwise, unless I just want my sons to play golf myself, which means I have to unretire from hooping to play with them. But uh, the thing is, is that just to give them an opportunity to see and play what's out there. Like this is the year I really think that they're actually going to play Sports. I think we're going to do one in swimming and one in, uh, in T-ball. Uh, just to okay. kind of see is and where the temperament is. 
based upon what they have shown just in active play that they liked. Um, so, and then we'll kind of kind of go from there. Um, I, I've, I've watched watching high school sports and sports in general. I've seen kids get burned out. We see it now a lot in college now, and not just football. I've seen top-ranked women basketball, men basketball, football players who have done nothing or feel like they're doing and playing their sport for themselves, I mean, for their parents, and they tap out. I mean, my cousin, right. she was playing for My cousin was a top-ranked uh, girls' basketball, women's basketball player, got recruited by Connecticut. And we're the same age. And she decided in high school, she's like, no, I don't want to play no more. And I was, and you know, I was wow. mad at her. You was all in, like, dude, you, you know, you recruited by Connecticut, you know, and she didn't care. She was like, I'm tired of playing basketball. And that's the thing is, is that I want to be able to play whatever it is. And when you're done and tired, you're done. My sons don't have to play uh, college athletics like I did. I, I, I walked on and I played and I played for fun. I played baseball for the love. I played tennis because I like to play tennis and it was fun. So, it was never that I'm one want, want to go to the league type deal. It was like this is the sport that I love to play. I'm gonna play it. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not even sure about want, uh, coaching my 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 kids. My dad coached me for three years in little league, but I don't know about how I feel about coaching my sons because it's kind of hard. I'll coach them at home. I'll train them. We'll go to the cage. I'll do that. That's the dad I want to be. I don't want to necessarily be the coach. I want to be able to enjoy it from a parental standpoint, to be able to deal with the joys and the and the successes as well as the failures and help, help them to deal with it as well. So I'm not going to be uh, the hovering dad or the my son can't do no wrong, he's the best. He's going to try his best. That doesn't mean he is the best. There's a difference between the two. And I'm glad that you closed your, your piece with that because I think, we all have to recognize where our children are. If you can, early on, you can tell this this boy is nothing more than the, the eighth man on the on the basketball team or the backup uh, tight end, and that's okay. You just have to approach it that way. But if you see that your child is special and he recognizes it and he wants to chase it, that's where I think. I will kind of put the resources together to make sure that he has everything he needs to succeed. And I think a lot of times you have parents, and maybe this is not even the case with the the Ball family out in California, but you have people that their child is their meal ticket. Their child is a rehash, a dream deferred, them wanting to get to the NBA or NFL is being relived within them. And I don't ever want that for my son or my daughter if I have one. If they love sports, I want them to love sports because they love sports, not because I grew up with daddy watching sports on Saturday and Sunday. And I think that's the thing that you have to very have to be careful of. And I think pushing that your child to a, a level of greatness and when they don't want it leads to that burnout that happens to your your cousin lead to that burnout to the the temple forum from Michigan State that walked away from the program that leads to just guys deciding after, especially with football, because of the injury exposure, this is not worth it. But speaking of, we have a family out in California. 
LeVar Ball and his three sons. Lonzo Ball is a freshman at UCLA. Then he has two other sons that are prep stars, uh, LaMelo and LeAngelo. Both also also are committed to UCLA. Um, LeVar has been on record saying some interesting things, one being that his son is better than Steph Curry. If you put Curry on UCLA and you put Ball on Golden State, they will win the championship. That was a stretch. But this comment that he made recently, I see where he was going, and I think a lot of people just misconstrued it. Um, he was quoted as saying, um, let me find this. They're kicking in the door, but they're shocked at what I'm telling them. I'm not looking for an endorsement deal. I'm looking for a marketing and distribution deal, branding. The only person that does that is Michael Jordan with Nike. That's what, we, that's what we're here for. If Lonzo doesn't sign with Adidas, Nike, or Under Armour, guess what? I'll sign the big baller brand. We already got our own brand, Triple B's. Lonzo is going to be the first one drafted with his own brand. That doesn't happen. Now, from an outside perspective, as far as sports, that sounds pretty presumptuous. That's arrogant because we don't know what your son is going to be, Mr. Ball. But from a business brand, it's genius. You create your own. That's the entrepreneurial spirit that so many people want everyone to buy into. It's just now we, we are slaves to the swoosh. We are slaves to the three strikes and even now Under Armour that everybody assumes, oh, you have to go with them. This father's just saying, I want my son to have his own brand, and you guys, after seeing him play at UCLA, seeing him play for whatever team, well, if they have it their way, the Lakers, you guys are going to want him, and it's going to cost you too much to get him. You're going to have to create this millennial Jordan brand, so to speak, to get him. And can you blame him, Al? I mean, you can. I mean, the thing is, I don't. I mean, it's nothing against it. I mean, he, he he's preparing them for a, a life of sustainability and and uh, residual income to go beyond his playing years. It's it's a smart plan, but the thing is, I think he, uh, I think uh, uh, the dad doesn't realize that he said so much that now anything that he says is being taken as uh, as, uh, as grandiose and and just too much. Um, yeah. And, he, and it can be a, a major hindrance in dealing with everything because it appears that he's going to be dealing with all, doing all the things that he's doing with his sons to assist them in their professional and collegiate goals that, People may not want to deal with them. And, yeah, you can create your own brand, but you're not creating your own shoes that people are going to do. I mean, you had superstars that were already certified superstars and tell me about the Starberries and tell me about the Shacks. They couldn't compete. So the thing is, is that you have to be smart and say, yes, we're going to have a brand, which that'll make him more attractive to the shoe companies as opposed to in, in competition with the shoe companies. And I think that he needs to be mindful of what he says. I mean, because in one breath you can't say, "Well, my son is better than Steph Curry," if you put him on 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 their on the 
on the the uh, Warriors now and and step on UCLA and see what happens. And then at the same time, you say a profound statement that gets lost, not in your message, but from in the in the from the mouth uh, the words of the messenger. And right, he needs he needs to be mindful of that and what he says because he's an advocate for his son. But you can't be an advocate and and end up being a detriment at the same time. That's what you don't want to be. And he yeah. is close to being that, the gift and the curse. Now, I think this was a conversation that should have been kept to himself and just let it develop on its own. We should have found out about it when we found out about it as far as the the partnership with a, a brand uh, – uh, apparel company if to develop or him bringing this out on his own. I think the the whole conversation being had at this stage, and we don't know who Ball is, who Lonzo Ball is. And granted, we every, I've seen the 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 Jason Key comparisons. I've heard the the top flight talent. Um, someone I think I was listening to Mike and Mike and Mike earlier, and they said basically you put this guy. On the, on any team in the NBA, he's a franchise changer, not because of scoring, but just his his basketball IQ, his ability to see the court, his his court vision, his ability to do the the little things in basketball. And, and maybe he comes in and is that natural of a player, but let him play. Let I mean, we saw with his his brothers the. Uh, <clears throat> I think it might have been. I, I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure which one it was. It might have been Lamelo, who scored the 92 points um, in one game, and everybody was up in arms over that. Then they later on in the season they made they play. They're playing in the state uh, playoffs, and both guys, both of the younger sons, had horrible games. And I looked at the box score briefly. Both had over 30 shots. For one player to have over 30 shots in the high school game is a lot. So to have two guys, where is the – this is a setup for entitlement. And, and usually with the younger brothers or the younger siblings, they're the ones that go to the next level. But I think they may have taken on this the arrogance of their father and thinking they're better than what they really are, and it could be a detriment. These, uh, these This could be a situation where – they never come close to living up to the expectations that their father has for them and the basketball community is creating for them. And it's unfortunate because I think that they really want to just be good basketball players, but they can't be because they have to live up to what their older brother is doing and definitely what their father is saying about them. Yeah, and that, I mean, it could be just set up for failure. I mean, the classic case of that is not even uh... – not even an older brother or father who really hyped him up, but uh, Michael Jordan's son. Uh, who, where did he go? He went to uh, the school in Chicago. Or he went to uh, – uh, it wasn't DePaul. Was he at Bradley? Where was he? No, he went – one of them went to Illinois. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the one that went to Illinois. And it was like, you know, you got that name, and it's not just the name, and is your dad. You just had to succumb to the pressure like this is not me. I mean, I would prefer just not to play because you're going to constantly be compared to me. You're never going to mount up to me in that sense. So why put unnecessary pressure on yourself and unnecessary ridicule? 
Cause you gonna, I mean, people gonna get you cause they ain't like they dad, like your dad. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just, it's just a tough mountain to climb, and it's jagged. And if you're great at what you do, then it's, it's kind of difficult to have your son follow in those shoes. And it's something that's not necessarily subjective because what made me great, my son would never go through. You see what I'm saying? Because a lot of things, greatness is about mm-hmm. your circumstances of growing up and everything else. Well, you grew up privileged because you grew up my son. You were the benefit of my greatness. And so it's just a little different approach. Now, uh, I will say this um, because keeping with the, the whole Jordan clan, Jeffrey, the oldest one, started off at Illinois didn't have too much success there, left the program, transferred to UCF, uh, University of Central Florida, and basically didn't even last a season there, uh, quit the school, I mean, quit the quit the team and ended up just graduating. I don't even know if he graduated from there, but left there, whereas the youngest son, Marcus, had, I give him credit for at least having some success on the court. Yes, it wasn't up to the level of his, of his dad, but he was All-Conference USA freshman team uh, in 2010. Then he made All-Conference second team Conference USA in 2011. So he showed some something. But then again, I guess the, the hype and the pressure got too much for him. Because he also quit the team in 2012 but ended up finishing. I guess I'm guessing he finished and graduated there. And right now runs, I guess, a store, a high-end sneaker store called Trophy Room in Orlando. So, like you said, those it's, it's, it's hard to live up to the hype, and sometimes you just may have to go the other route. Look at Trey Griffey, uh, son of King Griffey Jr. He had some talent in baseball, but I don't think it was to the level that he had in football, so he decided to go football route. Went to Arizona, had a, a pretty good career, um, and now I think is eligible this year for He's entering the 2017 draft um, after after graduating from Arizona, so it definitely will be interesting to see if he gets drafted or if he gets picked up by a team. And we've seen even uh, Torrey Hunter's uh, son go play for Notre Dame, but actually now he's quit the team and has transitioned back to baseball, so definitely is a name to keep an eye on to see what happens with him. Uh, David Robinson's son played football instead of basketball. I think a lot of times your best bet is to pick another sport <laughs> than try to follow in the footsteps. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with it. The thing is, you just don't want to be the cause as a parent. You don't want to be the cause of your child's uh, failure at the end of the day. Because, yeah, you can put it on them and say, but you didn't do it. But at the end of the day, like, you know, Dad, I ain't really want to play basketball. I mean, how many times you think they they were like, Dad, I don't want to play. I want to do this, and he made them play because that's his dream. I mean, it's obvious it's his dream. Now here's a question: Did he play professional ball or what? Or Who? No? The dad. I don't the ball. think so. Yeah, I, uh, I I mean the way he was talking, I thought he was a former pro that I didn't know of or something. Um, but it was just interesting that as much as he was talking that he wasn't, you know, pro. So that was just uh, an interesting thing. But it's always that balance, man. I see it on multiple things. As a matter of fact, I saw 
I ain't see uh, B Hunt talk about it all the time about how parents always want to blame the coaches or the refs or somebody else, and at the end of the day, it's your, it's your, uh, it's it's execution or no execution. So right. At some point in time, that's what it boils down to. No, his his father played at Washington State, but then transferred to Cal, uh, Cal State Los Angeles. So yeah, and then he played football. Yeah, for the I, London I, I Mar- So yeah, he. I, I I think maybe him still being in that that window of college athletics, and then even semi pro football kind of put that into his head. He saw some of the things that happened with other athletes and is just trying to maximize and take advantage of the opportunity. And and if it's, like you said earlier, recognizing that you're only a pro for so long and you have so many other things to kind of be concerned with, can you blame him for that? It's just, I, I take it back to maybe he should have had this conversation within his family and left it there until they were ready to discuss it and had things that made it possible to bring to life. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think he has kind of drawn back some of his statements. Uh, hopefully he learns. I mean, when he's talking about branding, he needs to work on his branding and protect yeah, his right. son's. Protecting his son's brand. You and branded three Bs or whatever you call it, but you need to protect your son, your son's brand by being smart with what you say and what you do. Because you, I mean, now, now here's the thing with him. Now people are coming to him for stuff where before he was just saying stuff. And then you got ESPN who uh, <laughs> thought they had an interview with somebody who was a lookalike, uh, which is hilarious to me. But you know, those are the things that, as parents, you know, you kind of learn. You can't. Everything is not how you want it to be or how you portray it to be. But when you have sons with obvious talent that, number one, you're not paying for college for, uh, you need to be mindful and just really focus on, on on helping them. And, you know, because otherwise, you know, just like anything else, if, if dad's not helping me as much as you want to be a part, dad, you don't, after I get become an adult, I don't have to let you be a part. And we've seen that in right. other instances. With the uh, with the uh, Williams sisters, with their dad not being having as tight a relationship as he once had, you know, with them. So, but hey, those are that's the ball, family. <laughs> ball so hard. <laughs> exactly. So, here we go. We're about to go into our last. Oh, that's not it. Uh, our last. Uh, break and we'll be right back folks for the last 30 minutes we got a lot to cover so make sure your ears are ready this half hour sports Q&A has been brought to you by Crush Media Group Progressive Greek Next Step Mentoring Ticket Wave and Fan Siding welcome back the last half an hour of Sports Q&A. Make sure you give us a call at 760-539-3269. That is 760-539-3269. So we have a 
plethora of things we can cover, Q, and only so much time to cover. What what what's what's on your heart and your mind with this? Um, let's we gotta talk about the Oscars. Uh, did you watch it? Did not you watch it, it, but I saw the results. I'm I am not I am not the award show person that I used to be growing up. Uh, matter of fact, I can pretty much care less. But I it was quite the uh, adventure, and it and Steve Harvey has nothing to worry about because that was far worse than his. Right. Even though it, but, it was interesting that everybody was blaming Warren Beatty, but he didn't say anything. He was. He read the card, looked at the card, knew the card was wrong, and didn't have one to say anything. <laughs> but his his co-contributor was like, "Okay, I'm gonna just say the name because that's what she thought it was." And it caused a, a great ruckus with, with everybody blaming Warren Beatty when he wasn't. It wasn't his fault. So for those who may not have seen it. The the award the last award of the night is picture of the year, and the, there were a couple of candidates. Some I hadn't heard of, some I had, but the two finalists. Well, the original winner was called to be La La Land, and in the midst of their acceptance speech, the director that was giving this speech announced that they were wrong. He was like, "Oh, I want to thank these people, these people, but we didn't win." You did, and it was just crazy how it happened. And the real winner was the movie Moonlight. Um, it's a controversial movie um, because of the context, the content, and some of the scenes. But for those who, and, and, and I'll say this because I'm not a movie critic, I do not understand how people give critical acclaim to certain movies and call other movies duds. I watch a lot. I watch what I watch, and I like what I like. That's it. I, I'll never be one of those people that will vote for the Academy because I don't get it how they nominate, who they, how they come to the decision of what movie is great and what's not. But Moonlight got a lot of acclaim. I saw it, was a little bit confused about it throughout the movie, and that's notwithstanding a couple of scenes that, scenes that a lot of people kind of harped on. But um, they ended up winning Picture of the Year, and it was a situation where the winner was overturned, the, the decision was taken back, and, and bringing it back to the sports realm, what is it the, what the end result in the world of sports that you wish you could take back and change for the betterment of your team or just as a, a sports fan? Um, and, and thinking of and, and doing the script for the show, I, I presented to Al the, the Michigan UNC game, Chris Weber with the tri- the travel and the non call and the, the timeout. Uh, Seattle giving the ball, not giving the ball to East Mode, Marshawn Lynch, and being having the ball intercepted against the Wingland. Um, shoot, me personally, I, I saw it first. I saw it live in first hand. The Desmond trip in the end zone, having that call reversed and called a penalty. Those are the things that are. What are those things? What's something that I, I didn't bring up, Al, that you could think of that if the, the final play or a key moment in the game was overturned, that would change the outlook of a game significantly that you wanted to see happen? Uh, well, locally, uh, I would say, and why well, I can't think of his name, oh, the, 
the the no hitter that wasn't a no hitter with Jim Joyce yeah. called the runner safe. Um, that that one probably locally. I'm trying to think on a uh, on on a scale of of locally of something of high of significance. Oh, I don't know if you meant. I, I don't think you did. And the 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 no spot call or no review on the spot in the Michigan Ohio State game this year. Uh, the football game. Yeah. Um, I took another step. Uh, the extra second against Michigan State with the uh, T the TJ Duckett touchdown. Um, it's been a bunch of plays like that. Uh, who else? The Pistons. Bird stealing the ball on the last oh. play, essentially. Oh, how about this? <laughs> so, with the Pistons, with the Pistons, and she just playing defense. Instead of right. going double, oh, um, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to think. Michigan Northwestern, the guy missing the layup. If he misses the layup on that, or the clock just runs out, or it seems to go a little bit faster, he doesn't get the shot off. It changes the whole. That changes their trajectory as far as Northwestern being a shoe in to the tournament, and then Michigan having a better seed. Um, what game was it? the Notre Dame Florida State game? That last touchdown was it? Uh, it was a play that was controversial and it ended on a play that should have been a pass. Oh, the, the screen, the screen play against Notre Dame that they didn't call. So Florida State ended up scoring, but it should have been a legal pick. The illegal pick against the Clemson versus Alabama game. If they call that a flag, that changed that game. I mean, it's just interesting when you look at how one play going in either direction changes a, a season, changes a championship game. Of Villanova missing that that shot last year in the NCAA tournament. If they miss that shot instead of making it, it goes into overtime, and it's we all see how momentum can change either side when you go into that extra period. And I think at that time, North Carolina had did all it could to get back in, and, and maybe Villanova is, is, is faltering and can't recover in overtime, and it turns into a, a comfortable win. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a it's a lot. I mean, shoot. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of things. I'm just really trying to think Tigers-wise. Mine would be uh, game 163. Uh, against the against the uh, against the the twins before we started uh, mm-hmm. or getting to our little uh, mini World Series attempts, uh, and that's the thing, man. It's everybody wants to do over. Everybody wants to uh, be able to hit the reset button. There's no reset button on games anymore, but used to be a reset button on something. Either on uh, Genesis, I think. Uh, but you could just hit that reset button or. The infamous forget forget the the do over forget this. Let me just get some more men, do the contra move, and steal your man's man so I can have more life. I mean that's <laughs> that's 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 uh that's pretty much where it is because you know certain things, man, you'll never be able to forget. Like the Jim Joyce yep. uh, moment. Uh, I mean, I couldn't even say I, I was trying really tr- really really trying trying to think of Lions one. Uh, and I wanted to go back, uh, but you can't, you can't do a whole game. The same day, the Sterling Sharks. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Playoff. 
about what something up? like significant that would get. I mean, of course, the closest we ever got to the Super Bowl was the the uh, the, the conference championship in '91 yeah, against the Redskins. We lost forty-five to three. I think, I think <laughs> um, nothing could save that. Right, that's what I'm saying. There was nothing in that game to say unless uh, hey, uh, Doug Williams is out. Or was it was it Mark Rippey? I think it was Doug Williams, wasn't it? Ninety one. Yeah, I think but, it was um, Doug Williams. But the thing yeah, it was Doug Williams. Um but that's the thing is the beauty of when you're watching and you are part of it and it's just so close. I mean, you've been seeing it and we'll see it over the next couple of weeks, especially in basketball, these moments that you want to relive. Or time putting being put back on the clock or taken off the clock, you know the infamous one that I've seen and I haven't seen a lot in the last two years is when they review it and then they do the clock and then it's not enough time to get a shot off, but they still got to inbound the ball. That's uh-huh. like the that's like the worst situation in, in the world. But, but um, yeah, man, that, well, that, that duo. Mark oh, it was Mark, Mark. Oh, yeah, that was Mark Rippin. That was in between. Yeah. But, you know, so and locally, I mean, I can't think of Red Wings. Oh, I can think the Red Wings won uh, win, uh, not not winning when being ahead in game six against Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. And that was your last legit shot to win the Super, I mean, Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup. Um, and then came back and lost game seven. You haven't been – we have not – really have not been the same since then. Nobody around these parts will ever admit that, but that's just, just – Stating the facts, but um, yeah, man, I think see, and, and you look at all of these things being one play away from a championship. They regard everything is that it, that that it was that Chris Weber, even though we weren't guaranteed to win. Just watching, like I I I used to be able to watch it. I actually I have I have two copies of that game on VHS. I have a VHS machine, and I can make stuff into DVDs. I have not been able to watch that in a while. I'm glad it doesn't come on too often. It only usually comes on if Michigan ends up playing North Carolina. That's the mm-hmm. only time you kind of play it. But because that game was, like, right there. Hey, so much and that, that's the frustrating thing about it to be so close and and see that Donald Williams the point just got off in that game. I'm like, this dude hadn't played work but crap all tournament to have the game of his career against Michigan, and it yes, yeah, because that Duke game wasn't that was just a that was shell shock from start to finish. They didn't. They just wasn't in it. They weren't ready. But the next year, for them to come back and be in that situation, you figure, okay, this is our, this is the year we're gonna get it now. This is our chance. Nope. And oh, shoot. This is no. How do we forget this? We both need to be slapped for this. The foul on the, the Trey Burke block in the Louisville game. That's the perfect scenario. Cause that should have been that should not have been a foul to begin with, and if they don't call that foul, Michigan 
takes momentum in that game and wins that game. Yeah, I I I I kind of buried that in the memory banks. Thanks for digging that one up for me. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, but you have it on. And here's the other thing: we we didn't look at it from this part. We're looking at it from the other end, and when we did it to other people, like the Chauncey Billups bank in half court shot that changed yep. that total that series all, all the way around against the Nets, or yeah. the shot the shot against Syracuse in the most yep. improbable game <laughs> of all games against Syracuse. Um, oh yeah, Kansas. In Kansas, in Kansas, yeah. Um, um, what else? The Tayshawn block? Right. Yeah, definitely the Tayshawn block because that changed the whole game. Reggie thought it was a foul, everything. Um, I, I, I bet, and this is not even an on-play game, but I want to believe it was Terry Porter who said at the game two, that we're not coming back to the palace, and he was correct. Right. And lost the final three. So, and that's again, it's the beauty of the, the the agony and the beauty of sports tied into one. And uh, we all just kind of have to work our way through it, and hope that they come up there and find out they made a mistake. But they don't, and you still relish in it, and you still move on and hope for things and. To, uh, better to come, but uh, it, I mean, it's tough, man. Like, yesterday's game, I think as I, when I talk about burying stuff in the, in the treasure chest of of uh, disappointment, brought back a lot of different stuff. It didn't manifest mm-hmm. in words, but it was all those feelings like, oh my God. And, 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 that's, and it lingers for a while, but that's what being a sports fan is that is for. I mean, you can live vicariously through others, but at some point in time, you know, you 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 feel it. You feel it right in the ticker. But hey, all right. So let's talk about this. We got about fifteen minutes left. Fourteen minutes left. I think yeah. I think the trade t- yeah the trade had just taken place. But you, you, we, the 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 Marcus Cousins trade to New Orleans, they it is definitely not start, start uh, started off in the manner in which the Pelicans have hoped it would be. Um, is it just about the situation of them having to get continuity, or did they give up too much, and now they have, I'll say in the situation a situation with having a slightly more athletic situation than Pistons did when they had Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond together, bogging out down the paint. Yeah, I think that's the case. The difference is you have two those two guys that are willing to step out when needed. It's just finding out who has to be the one to do it. And also the problem is they still struggle with contributions from somebody else outside of shooting those two. I'm um, pulling up the box score now from the the Houston game. It's like it's this is pretty bad. They lost that game one twenty nine to ninety nine, and you look at those two. They gave they did what they were supposed to do. 
Um, Cousins ended up with hold on one second. I'm sorry. Cousins ended up with 27, 11 to 19 shooting, 13 rebounds, five assists, four blocks. Great stat line. Anthony Davis, 29 points, nine rebounds, two blocks. The telltale sign. Cousins had a a negative 13 plus minus, and Davis had a negative 31. Only one other player scored double figures, and that's Caspi, who had 12. Drew Holiday gave them nothing, 3 of 12, 6 points, 4 assists. The problem is they have to, even if Holiday isn't scoring or whoever is playing point guard, you have to be able to get them point in the season if I'm a point guard for New Orleans or I'm playing even two guard, I'm looking for them first because they're going to get me open shots. They're going to create open lanes. They're going to create opportunities. And I think because of what's going on, they're still trying to find their way through the whole situation. Now, mind you, against the Pistons, and the Pistons are dealing with their own issues. They came away with their first victory after the break, after losing the first three. And Davis had a monster game, 33 points. Uh, let me see who else contributed on their um, computer. Davis is a oh, pitcher. Uh, ironically, they played well because Cousins was suspended. He was suspended because he got his 16th technical, 16th or 17th technical, which resulted in a, a one-game suspension. And in this game, Dante Cunningham gave them 16. Drew Holiday gave them 22. Alex Jenka gave them 10. Etwan Moore gave them 11. So they have to find some way of integrating Cousins back into the offense, but also making sure that the drop-off from these other guys isn't so great that they're just standing around watching them to play. And that's the biggest thing, and it's how long does that take? And maybe this game against the Pistons is what Holiday needed. He scored in 30 minutes, 10 to 18. He was 2 or 5 from 3. He still isn't – I still don't see him giving them enough assists because 5 is below average for a point guard. He should be. He should at least be up to 6 or 7, if not 8, especially when you have somebody with the talent of Anthony Davis. And maybe he was feeding them the ball, but – Davis finished with 11 of 11 from free throw. So how many of those passes were, how many of those situations were passes from Holiday that ended up in fouls and he didn't complete it? So I'm not going to hold it completely against him, but that's something that has to be worked on once uh, Cousins comes back from this suspension. But we got to – that's the thing. Cousins is who Cousins is. And unfortunately, this is this is the bad side of him that – Pelicans fans are going to have to take, and you have to ask yourself, is he worth the headache? Sacramento said no, but what some team is some team out there is going to say yes. So is it, right, is it going to be New Orleans who who feels in, indebted to the fact that they gave up so much to get him, or is it going to be another team to say, okay, we're going to give you the, the two hundred million that you're asking for? And we got to take the the blow up, the the lazy play from time to time because this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's no uh, magic recipe. You got to kind of fit 
things in and find out what's best. And and Vladi rolled the dice and gonna try to make it. He's gonna have to make it work. The, the one advantage that you do have is free agency will come upon and you'll have a player or two or a couple that one man wouldn't be uh, you know want to be willing to play with those guys because who wouldn't? If I'm a point guard, I'm almost guaranteed to get ten assists a game if I try uh, playing with those guys. But once again. It has to be a situation where everybody works. I mean, because I, I, I would probably say you give it about a a year's time and there's no success, then they, they'll probably make a, a coaching change because they've invested a lot of money between those guys. So it'll, it'll, it's going to be uh, some tough times. I, they may sneak into it as the AC, may get a win, may, but it's going to be some tough road. You're going to have to find the right coach in the right situation before this occurred, or them to buy into to whatever system that the coach wants them to to buy into. But but speaking of this, yeah, thing, we said eight seed, but let's let's look back all the way up to the top of the Western Conference and look at that number one seed. And right now you have KD who's out with a with a knee injury. Right now they're saying a month's time. It's roughly six weeks left in the season. The 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 elephant in the room, the question is that wants that everybody wants to ask, can the uh Warriors win the championship without KD? Because I think he brings an element to that team and, and yes, that's is different than what they had with Harrison Barnes, but Barnes still was a a big enough piece to that cause that teams had to be aware of him. And maybe he was the fourth or fifth guy that was being focused on in that starting lineup, but they still had to focus on them. Um, looking at who they bring in now, they brought in Matt, they brought back Matt Barnes, and I think he's going to be a starter. But Barnes doesn't command the same attention that. Definitely not what KD did and not what Barnes is bringing to the table, what Barnes brought to the table in Golden State. And I, I have to say that Barnes, Matt Barnes is one of the most, if not the surprising free agent signing this year for in the NBA. A lot of people thought Dallas overpaid for him, and he's been giving them a lot of surprise moments. I didn't expect that moments from, from game to game, season to season. And I think he's averaging the highest in points, minutes, uh, shooting percentage that he has in his career. And it's just good to see him land here for both him and Dallas. Because after the finals, when he disappeared, a lot of people were very low on him. And then the fact that Dallas really hadn't had struck out a couple of times with free agents, they were like, okay, Kent, is this a situation where they're just overpaying somebody to get anybody? Um, but back to Golden State. It's going to be hard getting out of the Western Conference without him. You still, everybody wants to overlook San Antonio. They're there. Um, first year without Tim Duncan. You still have LaMarcus Aldridge. You have Paul Gasol. You have Kawhi Leonard. Um, you still have enough pieces there on that team, depending on what the matchup is, to kind of give Golden State fits if they face off in the, the – the Western Conference Finals. Then you have Houston that's playing a lot better. You have uh, James Harden. Still doesn't play defense, but now they're 
they're buying in enough offensively and they're, they're getting enough help for him where I think that matchup will be interesting. And you still have a couple of other quiet teams. Utah, Quinn Snyder, everybody talked about Brad Stevens making that jump from college basketball, NBA, having a good having a good career. Quinn Snyder has quietly transitioned Utah back into relevancy. It took a couple of years, but him, Gordon Hayward, is finally coming into his own as one of the top small forwards in the league. And I think they're right now entrenched as that number four seed. Got a half game lead on the Clippers. Got a full game lead on the six seed Memphis. That's a team that a lot of people don't want to play because you you have a lot to kind of contend with. Rudy Gobert, uh, Hill from uh, Indiana is back at is at the point guard. So they have some pieces. It's just interesting who top to bottom you have. Golden State at one. You got Denver that's playing a lot better than a lot of people expected. And they, they still have a couple of pieces. They're still one or two pieces away from being entrenched in the playoffs for the next couple of years. And then you have Russell Westbrook. I don't think he has enough around him, but he can get you one or two games in the playoff series because he's missed a triple-double now. So it, it, they have to hope that they can get <coughs> at least past that first round without KD. That second round, he has to play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he may be a get back for the last couple, you know, three or four games, and they can manage his time and and his minutes to get him back into into some semblance of game shape. Uh, they definitely need him for round two, possibly depending on matchups. They may be able to get through to the conference championship without necessarily needing him, um, just based on on the matchups. Um, it's it's a tough injury. It really uh, now adds a lot more intrigue in the West uh, than it was. Uh, the East, sad to say, is a bore because no one has done anything other than Cleveland, which under the radar, and they're getting raked against, across the coals for it. They have added three veteran players during this season. Uh, via either trade or signing to waivers or free agents. Uh, so it's going to be – I just – at the end of the day, I just want to see some better basketball. I don't know what Toronto can do more except for put their team in the in the bariatric chamber until LeBron retires, and then you may get a first Canadian <laughs> national – I mean, uh, uh, champion because – that's that's you know you got to have an answer for that, and I don't I don't think they do. Well, I know they don't. They make it competitive, but that's not enough. It's like being a you can be a a four seed, but if nobody uh, below a two seed is one, then you up the creek. That's kind of how it works. But we will see it. I'll get out of my feelings by next week, folks. Uh, <laughs> I think I may have to sit out and not watch the games this week, uh, the games, just because. But with that, folks, we're getting out of here. On time, holler as next Tuesday. So it'll be a short turnaround. We're back to our new regular schedule. Next Tuesday, we will be on the air live and direct. But catch up is about to get hot, uh, hectic, and be on the lookout for the sports Q&A. 
March Madness Tournament Bracket Challenge. The winner in the past has gotten the T-shirt of the team of their choice. We may change it. We see. We may upgrade it. We'll discuss it, but we'll talk about it again next week. So give us a call. Check out that podcast. Uh, subscribe to the podcast at www.blogtalkradio.com slash sportsqa. And we'll see you next week. We're out of here, folks. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.